p.m. East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later in the show, how are musicians staying in touch with their audiences amid the pandemic? Skylar Ashley reports. Also, our weekly visit with MSU political science professor Matt Grossman on the 2020 presidential campaign. Right now, we're facing two crises, the pandemic and the economy. We spoke to MSU economics professor Charles Ballard about the latter. Professor, the uh, headline in the New York Times on Friday on the uh, stunning increase in uh, unemployment uh, said, uh, quote, it's terrifying. How would you describe what's happening to the economy? Well, uh, terrifying is, is not a bad choice of words. It's uh, it, This is a um, an astonishing uh, drop in economic activity, really unlike anything that we've ever had before, because the the amount of decrease in output and in employment is similar in magnitude to the Great Depression of the 1930s. But the Great Depression sort of rolled on and slowly got worse over a period of three and a half years, whereas this has happened in this drop of a similar size or relatively similar percentage size has happened in three weeks. So it's a, a uh, really so dramatic and it it creates strains on our economic system that are unlike any that we had in the great recession of 12 years ago or um or ever uh because our our institutions uh, the the unemployment insurance uh uh system the uh the banks are, are not really set up for such a a sudden huge uh crisis so it's uh, it's I'm, I'm not uh, able to sugarcoat it very much. Uh, the uh, administration and the Congress uh, have unrolled the payroll protection program, the uh, paycheck yeah. protection program, rather. Uh, a, and uh, the, if I understand uh, what the goal is here is to kind of freeze in place uh, the job situation uh, and get through this relatively quickly. And as Trump says, things will be better than ever. Um, what do you see as the best, best outcome based on where we are today? Well, the, I think the best outcome is, uh, well, all good outcomes depend not on what happens in terms of economic policy, but on what happens in terms of uh, controlling the spread of COVID-19, uh, because uh, if if until we really have uh, slowed down the spread and reversed the spread, uh, it would be uh, just uh, murderous to uh, to fully open up the economy again. Um, and remember uh, that when somebody dies, that's that's not just a, a moral and a personal loss. It's a uh, it's an economic loss too. Um, uh, so what what I hope is that we will be able to uh, get past this 
peak period of the COVID-19 infections and deaths, and maybe in a month or two uh, begin to get back to normal. But I don't think we'll be back to normal until we have defeated the virus. And that, I don't see how that could possibly happen until we have a vaccine, which, um, you know, I'm not a medical expert, but what I read and hear is that that might take a year or so. Um, and so I think we're in for a, um, uh, I hope we have some rebound in, in a few months, but I don't think we're going to get back to normal or what I would consider normal uh, until 2021. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope we can really stamp out the virus. Maybe a vaccine will be available sooner. Maybe some of these therapies will be better. Um, but right now it looks to me like we'll have a huge drop in the second quarter of 2020, and then we'll kind of have some rebound, but we won't be fully rebound until uh, a year or so from now, maybe a year and a half. You're listening to City Pulse on 89FM, The Impact. Let's get back to MSU economics professor Charles Ballard on what the economy is facing amid the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, are we going to need uh, uh, far more economic assistance from the government to uh, even have that rebound? Uh, very possibly. I know that discussions are happening in Congress uh, right now about um, extending and uh, uh, amplifying some of these programs. Uh, um, it's hard to know how much more we will need because it's hard to know how long it will take to, to get the all clear, the, the all clear for the virus. But, uh, yeah, I think it's very possible that we'll, we'll need to, to do more. Uh, the uh, common wisdom that the economy benefits, uh, the incumbent, uh, uh was strained before, uh, this crisis, uh, uh, how does it look now? Well, um, you know, I, I have uh, been wrong before, uh, and American politics uh, has uh, an illogic to it that is uh, difficult for me to understand further uh, fully. I, uh, if you had asked me um, 20 years ago, uh, in the next uh, few election cycles, will will an African American man um, be elected, and will he be followed in office by a, reta a reality TV guy? Uh, I would have said no, no, I don't think that'll happen. So who knows? But um, it, President Trump was banking his election, his reelection bid on the strong economy which he inherited from Barack Obama, but he doesn't give Barack Obama much credit for that. But nevertheless, um, the if there's any follow-through uh, to how people vote in November, uh, we would expect that that would damage Donald Ch Trump's uh, chances of re-election. But, uh, uh, you know, he, he says that uh, he could go out on a Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and he wouldn't lose any of his core supporters. And, uh, so uh, maybe 
I guess it all it really remains to be seen. But I ha- I have to say, uh, even though the Trump team is trying to put a positive spin uh, and saying what a great leader he has been showing America through this crisis, his inaction in late January, all of February, much of March, and even some of the things that he's doing today um, have, have greatly contributed to COVID-19. There's just no question about that. Uh, he was, uh, for, for six precious weeks, when we knew that this was coming, he either denied that there was any problem or he said, what little problem there is, we've got completely under control. And uh, that was shown uh, dramatically to be to be false. And if we had taken actions, uh, which only the president can really galvanize the entire country, nobody else can do it in the way that the president can. If we if we had if he had taken strong action to uh, put the economy on a wartime footing, to ramp up production of respirators, gowns, masks, gloves and other uh, equipment, uh, start our social distancing weeks earlier than we did, uh, the, the long-run damage to the economy would have been reduced, and thousands of lives would have been saved. He bears at least some responsibility for that. He's not the only one, but uh, he does bear the response. He's not going to accept responsibility for that. I know that, but he, in my view, does uh, is partly responsible for this bad outcome. MSU Economics Professor Charles Charles Ballard, thanks so much for being on City Pulse. Thank you, bro. Always a pleasure. This is City Pulse on the air on 89FM, The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. As we do weekly, it's time for our conversation with MSU Political Science Professor Matt Grossman on the 2020 presidential campaign. Matt, we now have Bernie Sanders out, uh, having suspended his campaign, uh, uh, but he stopped far short of endorsing Joe Biden, uh, calling him a decent man, uh, but not endorsing him. Uh, what do you make of his of how Sanders exited? Well, it was a foregone uh, conclusion at this point in terms of his ability to to win the nomination, um, but it still obviously marks a turning point in the race with Biden able to uh, move to the to the general uh, election. Uh, Sanders has, seems to have a better relationship with uh, Joe Biden than he did with with Hillary Clinton, and so I, I don't expect uh, to have as much uh, trouble uh, linking. Uh, together their candidacies as things goes goes on um, but it's it didn't seem like the the early uh, indications were that it was going to be immediate but i still don't expect it to be as as long lasting or acrimonious as last time uh we have biden uh, uh making some announcements uh, last week that indicate some movement uh, uh toward uh, Sanders uh, on uh, Medicare, which he'd like to lower from 65 to 60, and to expand student debt forgiveness. Um, is uh, do you think this is uh, these are big enough steps to uh, win over perhaps reluctant uh, Sanders supporters? 
Well, uh, first, it's a bit of a misnomer that uh, Clinton didn't win uh, that many Sanders supporters. She won 80 percent, which is more than the Democrats that more than the uh, Hillary Clinton supporters that Barack Obama ran, won in the previous election. Uh, so in 2008, so uh, it, it was a pretty normal level of consolidation uh, last time. Um, this time, it looks like it's going to be more immediate. That is, most fewer Sanders supporters are saying that they want to hold out um, and, and possibly won't endorse Biden in the general election. Um, but the tougher part is that uh, there's you know more sort of a strident liberal supporters in Bernie Sanders' coalition this time than there were uh, last time. That could be good news uh, for, for Biden. Um, we learned uh, through this election in the comparison with last time that some of Bernie Sanders' support in 2016 was really an anti-Clinton support from the beginning. And so, say, uh, the voters in West Virginia's Democratic primary that supported Sanders in 2016 were not going to support Hillary Clinton in the general election. And since Sanders didn't really have the, that kind of support this time, it doesn't uh, pose as much of a problem for Biden to win them over. This is City Pulse and 89FM The Impact. Let's return to MSU political science professor Matt Grossman on the 2020 presidential campaign. Matt Grossman is also director of the Institute for Public Policy and Social Research at Michigan State University. The Democratic pollster Peter Hart says uh, the differences between Biden and Sanders are going to be far secondary to wanting to get rid of Trump. We do see, though, that Trump's numbers, uh, approval rating, uh, have has gone up. Uh, do, you, do you think uh, Hart is correct or optimistic? Well, uh, Trump's approval ratings did uh, bounce, as we, we talked about in previous weeks, uh, from uh, the immediate crisis response and the rallying effect surrounding that. Um, but it wasn't a very large uh, bounce, and it has dissipated uh, a bit since then. Uh, the early numbers uh, are pretty good for Biden in the general election horse race, um, though uh, Trump does seem to, at this point, um, be retaining his slight advantage in the Electoral College relative to the popular vote. Uh, and, of course, we might say, okay, Biden's six or seven or eight points ahead um, at this point, um, but we obviously would have said the same thing for, for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, the um, <clears throat> image of uh, Donald Trump uh, wearing a mask, which he has vowed not to do, was interesting. Uh, it reminded me of... Uh, caucus in the tank, uh, which uh, uh, I'm old enough to remember some of our listeners may have no clue what I'm talking about, but the Democratic uh, presidential candidate, Michael Dukakis, the governor of Massachusetts, uh, put on a helmet and stood next to a tank, uh, may even have been in the tank. Yeah, he, um, rode, he rode in the yeah. tank, and it was used right. in a campaign commercial. He looked ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> would Trump have uh, been in danger of doing the same thing? Well, he's obviously very image conscious and a creature of television, so I'm sure that he's worried about that. Um, but there's there's plenty of tape of uh, Donald Trump uh, looking uh, odd or ridiculous for the for the Democrats to use. So I'm not sure that that <laughs> is uh, their main problem. 
Okay. Well, uh, speaking of which, of course, now uh, the New York Times is reporting today that a lot of uh, big uh, uh, name Republicans, are, uh, including Lindsey Graham, are suggesting that Trump uh, shut up, that he get off of television, let the uh, health experts uh, handle the daily briefings. Uh, do you think he's beginning to uh, hurt himself? Well, I don't think that it's necessarily hurting him, but I think the initial benefit that they perceived of being sort of up front and center um, in this crisis uh, wears off um, over time. And so he's not he's not likely to generate as much uh, benefit from that. And of course, I think some of the things that he did, like getting fights, getting in fights with governors um, or appearing to. Uh, support uh, medical treatments that weren't yet uh, proven. Um, some people saw that as, as counterproductive, and so they've spoken out against them. Uh, whether he'll listen is a different story. He doesn't uh, tend to uh, listen to advice that he should be uh, less upfront uh, in and on TV more often. Uh, <clears throat> he uh, has made a target of some governors, and particularly. Uh, Gretchen uh, Whitmer, which uh, even the Times said even one of his top political advisors uh, has been quite concerned about. Uh, but I wanted to look at it from another perspective, uh, that uh, uh, she is uh, apparently a top-tier candidate uh, for the Democratic vice presidential uh, uh, nomination uh, but it is the, I wanted to look at that in the context of helping or hurting uh, uh, Biden with Sanders supporters. Uh, where do you put her in terms of the political spectrum? Uh, do you consider her a progressive or a middle-of-the-road Democrat? Well, she uh, obviously ran for governor against two uh, more lefty challengers, and she uh, didn't get embraced by the Sanders uh, wing uh, during the primary, um, but she has uh, been a pretty uh, liberal legislator and governor, um, so I'm not sure that she has the same uh, things to, I guess, to, to complain about uh, as, as, say, Joe Biden's rec long record in Washington gives uh, Sanders supporters pause. So I'm not sure that it would, would hurt, but it, it wouldn't help. Uh, either with with uh, those uh, supporters. Um, on the other hand, I don't know that that anything would would help other than maybe nominating Sanders himself for the vice presidency. So I don't know um, that that's going to be their their major selection criteria. Um, she has moved up uh, in the the sort of internal and external rankings, um, uh, somewhat surprisingly uh, to to those of us locally, but. Um, uh, she definitely appears to be on the agenda. Surprising uh, just because it's unusual to have a vice presidential candidate uh, locally or for, uh, surprising for other reasons? Well, I think surprising because uh, by all accounts, her first year in office did not uh, go all that well, um, and she wasn't generating um, great uh, praise from, from local Democrats 
them in addition to Republicans. So the turnaround has been uh, fairly large in the sense of uh, starting with the State of the Union response and then uh, moving into uh, the COVID response. She has uh, really gained in, in national stature in a way that you would not have predicted at the beginning of the year. Uh you know, generally, uh, who's vice president doesn't, uh, who's on the ballot with you doesn't really matter a lot, unless I suppose it's, uh, you know, a situation like Thomas Eagleton where it uh, drags you down. Uh, but uh, given Biden's age uh, and given uh, the, whatever the split may be in the Democratic Party, is this, is the vice presidential pick going to be more significant uh, this time around? Well, first of all, we do have some electoral evidence that it can help in home states. So that um, is probably uh, Whitmer's main uh, p- positive point on the list is that she's the, the only one um, on the top tier of contenders that is from uh, a swing uh, state. Um, so uh, that, you know that that is a point in her favor in terms of the selection um in terms of the the impact uh, absolutely it's the case that uh vice presidents uh, can um move on to to be president um and so that is uh, a a very important factor in candidate selection and in our thinking about um the future of of the pre- of the presidency in the Democratic Party. I don't think that she um, would sort of change the ideological trajectory that much. Um, she, you know, has gone along with the changing positions of the the Democratic Party. Um, that's moved leftward in some areas, um, but you know, she wouldn't necessarily be leading that charge. Matt Grossman, a political science professor at Michigan State University, uh, will talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thank you. This is City Pulse on the air on the impact on 89FM at MSU. I'm Burl Schwartz. Arts Editor Skylar Ashley spoke with Tommy McCord of GTD Records about the stay-at-home concert series. Since the coronavirus nixes live music gatherings, McCord and GTG Records are collecting video submissions from Michigan musicians who film themselves playing at home. The videos are then shared on GTG Records' Facebook page. McCord talked with Ashley about how musicians are staying connected to their audience amid the coronavirus. Stay at Home with GTG Records is a project featuring DIY videos submitted to the label's Facebook page. It was the brainchild of GTG affiliates Timmy Rodriguez and Michael Boyes. I spoke with GTG Records co-founder Tommy McCord about Stay at Home. Yeah, I can't um, I can't take credit for the very beginning, actually. Uh, that was um, that was uh, Timmy Rodriguez and uh, Michael Boyes from, uh, that I play in the band Drinking Mercury with him. They're uh, oh. so they're two of the yeah they're two of the guys that have been part of GTG since the very beginning. Um, so it's actually a really good example of um, GTG has always kind of been like a communal run thing. You know, w- with me being the you know the instigator for a lot of things, but um, uh, it's very much a uh, uh, yeah a, a democracy. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to think of a of a more refined uh, term, but it it didn't come. But <laughs> But but really we were um it was just kind of in light of having conversations as we were in what the around the fifteenth of March, so just a couple of weeks ago, which feels longer ago than it really was. When things were starting to be cancelled 
pretty much left and right. And, you know, and we just saw that, that all of these things that we had been working towards, um, the, the collective we of, you know, basically every musician. I mean, we were thinking about it more in terms of the bands in our, um, in our label, but, uh, just with everyone, you know, we weren't going to be able to perform for anyone anytime soon. And we needed to somehow find a way to stay connected, um, which is something that, you know, everyone is struggling with right now. And all of the musicians are, you know, very much kind of at a, at a loss for what to do since we've all basically, you know, absentmindedly counted on being able to perform for crowds and now we suddenly can't. Yeah, so those guys kind of ran with it and from the very beginning we said that, well, we'll start with a couple GTG bands, but we want to expand it to include just sort of kind of anyone that wants to share their thing and because we figured if we did, we just kept it to like simple production values, you know, so to speak, that we could make something happen every day and so far we haven't missed anything really nice uh having something every day to um to share yeah really uh just we're we're trying to generate um some just content every day and that's just the whole idea is um having daily contact with with people um through the use of the music community that's something that's important to all of us and um i'm certainly an advocate for um for the you know the creative community um, and have, having an outlet for expression. I think it keeps us all sane. Tell me how the submissions process works. Um, well, we we started off recruiting um, people just basically, uh, like if you look at the first week of people, it's kind of um, what I would call uh, us- usual suspects um, for uh, GTG-related projects. Um, but then sort of since then, you know, some of people that are, um, you know, friends of friends have uh, have have messaged us directly, and um, we yeah we're just trying to build a backlog, so it, it is very much like an open submission process. I, I've told people to just email the gtgrecords at gmail dot com. That's um, I check that every day, and that's okay. um, the yeah the you know Facebook notifications go to, go to that email. So um, one of the particular <laughs> um, videos I wanted to talk to you about was the uh, drinking mercury one. Oh yeah, which, you know, <laughs> how do you playing with um, your bandmates? On mm-hmm. different monitors. Uh, how exactly did you do that? How, how was that um, well, sure, yeah. Um, well, those those are the two guys that um, yeah, started yeah, yeah. that started it with me. So um, it's very very fitting. Um, <laughs> uh, and also the name of that song was called "Stay Home," and it's sort of just like, well, we could call it "Staying Home" because <laughs> um, you know that was, we just thought it was funny that um, that we we had a song just called that already. <laughs> yeah, we we just sort of talked about it a little bit. Um, because, you know, some people have done, I've seen a lot of people do some really creative um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, group group videos um, uh, during the quarantine. Like um, the stick arounds did one that had all, all five ba- uh, band members playing in it. Um, but that was very much like a, you know, like a split screen edited thing. Um, I had an idea to do kind of just a more, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, like, you know, DIY punk version of a, of something like that. And I thought, well, our you know our song, just the way the song is structured, um, if we had you know Michael record a guitar part first, that we then could just sort of record our other things too. It should come together. I didn't know if it would really work, but um, but it did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but that is very much like um, like those two guys pre-recorded their parts, and then I played live to their pre-recorded parts, um, and just um, let it be um, sort of a um slightly more structured cell phone video, but very much like that was shot. All three things were just shot on a phone. And then, you know, I put them into 
um, I had the audio track separated, so I did do a, like a little sound balancing there, but really all I did with that was I just um, turned up the keyboard um, in parts, but otherwise it's very much like a, uh, a room recording. Um, the quality-wise, I wouldn't say it um, it would stand up to uh, being on a professional release, but uh, as as far as like a, a, a Facebook phone video, I thought it sounded great. <laughs> You can check out Stay at Home with GTG Records on the label's Facebook page. And if you're interested in sending a submission, email gtgrecords at gmail.com. For City Pulse, this is Skylar Ashley. Thanks, Skylar. And thanks to you as well for producing today's show. That's it for this week. Please tune in again next Sunday, or you can access the show online anytime at lansingcitypulse.com. Thanks for listening for City Pulse. I'm Burl Schwartz.